0: today it is does this feel weird Alex because it's 1204
1: <laughs> a little bit but'm I'm, I'm here for it
0: uh, the snow will be here tomorrow all day I think and then all day Thursday looks like uh, yep. 18 although I mean, it's a nice day today it's 45, and oh. sunny. Uh, it's a beautiful day. So much of the snow that we have is going to melt, and then there's going to be a foot and a half of it tomorrow. Um, you're gonna have. You might have to get yourself into work, right?
1: Oh, I have to. So I'm. I'm gonna have some fun tomorrow morning getting myself to work, which I true. I do truly enjoy driving around in this kind of weather. So, and that kind of weather.
0: I'm. I'm adopting this. This approach. Um, you know I hate snow. I hate the cold. I hate snow. Blah, blah blah. So four to four to six, four to eight. Like that's the stuff I really hate because the world still, the world still moves and right. There's people out on the road getting to work. Like this is Ohio. Like when I moved initially to the Midwest and four inches of snow hit, I was paralyzed. My friends called me <laughs> called me a snowwuss because literally four inches of snow. City of Philadelphia public schools were sent home. Um, yes, but I adjusted. But four to eight here is is nothing. So with what we're getting over the next whatever it is, forty eight hours or so, seventy two hours, fine. Like it's past eight. Once it's past eight, and we're in, like nobody's going anywhere anyway. So right to to be with you, I always do four wheel drive cars now. My very intelligent car savvy brother says this is gonna and y'all. He loves cars and weather. He said. This is like the storm they got on the East Coast. It's going to be light and fluffy. So my car, if it isn't big enough, it will be able to, to go through it. And uh, nobody's going to be on the roads. It'll be quiet at work. So even though it's a foot and a half of snow, overall, it'll be rather manageable, at least for me.
1: I, I mean, I don't know. I feel like it could be the opposite because um, it's not exactly what they got on the East Coast. It's a different storm system. Right. So it might produce something completely different. Um, I am either, I'm expecting the roads to be quiet by the time I have to go out on them because I feel like we're going to get to level three overnight, if that makes any sense. Or we're going to get to that at the end of the day. So, um, I definitely think a level three is going to come. I feel like it's going to be pretty quiet. Um, like I love it when we get that snow and it's like you go outside and you can't hear anything. It's like the snow is like a, like, you're in a soundproof room or something, you know what I mean? Where it's just quiet. You don't hear anything. So I'm looking forward to that. I may very well get stuck at work. I am that essential. Like there's only two essential employees in my organization, in my company, my like place, my building of work. And so I may be stuck for like more than a day. And I'm not looking forward to that. I would rather be stuck in my house than stuck at work. (laughs) But you know, we'll see. It is what it is. I'm gonna have some I'm gonna have some fun out there.
0: At least where you're stuck has couches and a fireplace and
1: Yeah, you know, and food and Yeah,
0: yeah. Um my actual my my really only concern is, is Andre. Uh because yeah. last year and then when we had a recent snowstorm, he hops around in it and I think he goes a little bit more than his body can. And he winds uh. up like pulling a muscle or something, but we'll we'll manage. And no, um, bro,
1: we bust out the pee pads. Our dogs do not go out <laughs> in this weather. Sunny, Sunny loves it. Pete hates it. Pete will pee and poop on the sidewalk before he goes into the snow.
0: L- well, there's that too. Um, I, and Andre will always. I mean, whatever. Yeah, tomorrow is going to be a day just like when it rains really hard because I don't want to be standing out there with them waiting for them. So, boys, I'm going to go to work and find your spot. Um. Mm-hmm. Ken, I know you have something you want to get to, and and we will in a moment. I have a couple other things on the list to get to as well. But can you give me your perspective on why people are so panicked and dumb? I mean, it's not unexpected. But the only fear people should have is um, there's a worker shortage. And that applies mm-hmm. to everything. So maybe mm-hmm. that includes getting things plowed and streets cleared. So maybe you have to wait a little longer than usual to to wait for that plow to come by to get you out of your street or whatever. But the fact that people stuff their shopping carts full of whatever, many of whom these people already eat cereal for dinner anyway and cheese sticks. <laughs> Shut up! What what the f- what are you? No cursing because we're in a position right now where both of us should not be raising any red flags. I just don't get it. Like, I realize this is human nature, but the worst is very unlikely to happen to the actual amount of people who are doing this panicked, frantic shopping.
1: I don't know. I feel like this upcoming system is the one to get prepared for. Like, I don't think that we're going to have power outages or anything like that but I like I think people hold on to the memories of the last few times that the alarm had been rang and we really were stuck in our homes for days. Like I recall the storm of 2014 um, when it we got a gigantic snow system and then we got like negative 50 temperatures. Mom and I didn't go to the store and we literally made spaghetti noodles and we cut we like mashed the tomatoes that we had and made spaghetti out of that. It was terrible because it was all we had. We literally had nothing because we didn't prepare for it. Um we came from like I mean I was only I think I had been living here in Toledo maybe 2 years so I came from Cleveland where everything just existed as is. Like we didn't we didn't, you know, flock to the stores. Um, and so mom and I didn't prepare and, and then we couldn't go out on the streets and literally, and I think that's the other thing. My prediction is with this snow system, we will go to a level three and we might stay in a level three for a fair amount of time, which means you're not supposed to go out on the roads at all. Like they don't say only go out on the roads if you have to, that's a level two, a level three is you're not allowed to be on the roads at all. And there is legal ramifications for it. Like, does that actually happen? Probably not, but. Is it a thing? Yes. And so I do think that, like, I don't have anything here, and I probably should head over to Dollar General or something in my area and just grab a couple things so that I'm prepared, although I feel like I'm going to be stuck at work um, and not here. But I think this is the one to flock to the shelves and get what you need because you're probably not going to go outside for a couple of days.
0: I find, um, it, I find it incredibly hard to believe. So remember over the last two years... We, you, you and I, especially so, have called out people who have complained. They've said they've had their rights and liberties and freedoms taken away. And then smart people <laughs> are like, listen, listen, Al, you have been mildly... Have <laughs> Not been, Al. <laughs> listen, Al, you have been mildly inconvenienced. And that's exactly what I heard when I heard you lament that you and your mom had to, to suffer through eating spaghetti with smashed tomatoes. And my heart began to bleed for you. So I'm sorry. You do cook dinner every night. You often tell me what you make for Thomas. I am so sorry that for maybe two days, perhaps even three, you will not be ha- be able to have such an elaborate meal, princess.
1: Well, but but in some cases, we may not have a meal at all if that's what I, You know what I mean? You're not going to order. You can't order food because nobody's going to deliver it. And if right. you don't have any meat in your house, you know what I mean? It, it's just well, those it, kinds of things. It, I also think... I mean, but something a a really simple thing it also that maybe a lot of people buy into there is no better comfort than to be in your home during a storm like that and knowing you're in your home safe and you have food and snacks and you know it's like when you want to have a movie night and you've got the best food and you've got all your snacks and you've got everything you could ever need there's something about being the comfort of being prepared and like you know you know, you stay ready. So you ain't got to get ready. Like those kinds of things. Like it's just one of those kinds of, I don't know. It's just something cozy about being in your home and being completely prepared for whatever could happen.
0: That's the, the, the best argument I'm hearing so far. You, you let, me, <laughs> let me, <laughs> No. Yeah. <so laughs> let me suss this out a little bit. So you said, you said me. Okay. If the worst happens that all these people are panic shopping for it likely means some really bad things have happened, including you are, you might have have no power. Like, that would be the worst thing because you would be very cold and and a variety Mm -hmm. of other things. How are you going to make that mean?
1: Uh, Like a Neanderthal with uh, fire and wood on my patio. I'm I'm just, (laughs) I don't
0: know. I'm just (laughs) saying, like, I I do want to go to, to a supermarket and I went to Monette's today and it was maybe a, a person or two busier than normal. I don't know. Maybe I just picked the time when people do a lot. of. It is also nice out. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I've seen the pictures that people have posted of Kroger and Meyer where shelves are already a little light and it's it's just ter- the, the worst part of, of human nature. Like I have, So I have to go help Matt and do meals on Saturday. Um, I have no concern that I will not be able to make it that morning. Oh no!
1: Not Saturday. So so that's
0: my point. Like you're gonna have to have food for the second half of the, the average person. The second half of the day tomorrow, mm-hmm. Thursday, maybe and Friday. Friday. Uh huh. I find it hard to believe that so many people cannot get through sixty hours with the food they have in their home. Again, these same people are most of them are eating mac and cheese. So. Again, if you do if you do a little cereal with no milk, you will not die.
1: But what if they do what if they have used their cereal in their milk like what you that's what I'm thinking like what if they weren't what if the goal was to go to the store this week? you know forget the storm at least for me, forget the storm. I needed to go to the store this weekend and I didn't go so because all, I prioritized other things.
0: All these people, we're in the same situation as you and they they, they just so happen to, to to all need to go food shopping at the same time. No, so I mean, there, they might as well stock up.
1: No, no, there's definitely people stocking up on on like essentials because there's a storm coming, not because they needed to go to the store. And you're and I, I get that. I get what you're saying, but I don't, I don't know. I just think that it's it's a it's a way it's the culture of the area and it's every, you no, know it's, what i mean
0: it's everywhere it's everywhere that. Has
1: i didn't do, like do it back home we definitely didn't do that back home i mean we we would be out there in that storm like you know having a good time
0: it, it just baffles me and i'm gonna ask some of these questions on the air today um because i i want i want to know and, and again you, you you milk is the one and like milk and bread, that, that's, the, that's the panic thing and I don't know where that ever came from and it really needs to, to die. Bread, fine. Um, but if the worst happens again and your refrigerator goes out for a day and that milk is just sitting on the counter, you can drink that. I'll have water.
1: So the storm of 2014, I think our power did go out. So it was bad enough that the po- no, I know for a fact our power went out and it was like, all right, whatever. I just put all the grosh, all the food and grocery bags and put it out on the patio mm-hmm. because the snow was so high that it was like, and it kept everything cold for, and I, yeah, I remember that our power did go out. I don't remember for how long, but I think we slept overnight without power. So I remember those things. I honestly, I will never forget the humbled experience that we had when we put together noodles and grape tomatoes. It was disgusting and bland and gross. And I was hungry like when we were finally able to go out and I got myself like a quarter pounder, it was just like, "Mm." (laughs) you know what I mean? I went days without it. I walked to work that day because I still had to work and I got brain freeze because it was the weather was so terrible. I was wearing a hat and I still my head got so cold. It felt like I had eaten ice cream like a pound of ice cream did
0: everyone hear that privilege go away like <laughs> the, the all i thought was you you, you talk about your your bland First world problems your bland noodles and just like mom we don't have any salt and pepper
1: We're, we just can't, we just can't <laughs> eat it. um salt pepper and a tasted and a tad bit of sugar right to t-
0: to balance this out look uh Governments have let people down over the last couple of years. There was what the the Texas electric electrical grid thing a couple of years ago. Like I can see that that those are those are possible, but the chances are extremely slim. So um, let's move on. You brought it to my attention yesterday that um, Chesley Crist, uh, Miss USA from a couple of years ago. um, I just saw Sunday that she had died. When you texted me so feverishly yesterday morning. Um, I knew something else was up and then you told me and then I saw the, the horror and apparently I was actually looking for the video because the headline said it was caught on security camera. Um, it's just, and, and I didn't see that video, um, but people have and I shared my piece yesterday with this. Um, your thoughts with this tragedy within a tragedy.
1: I think it was, I. I it was, it was a tragedy for me because of, it, I mean, I don't think that everybody knows the the reasons that she did this. I, I don't know if she left a tradition, like a suicide note or not, but she did talk a lot about some of her challenges over the last few years. Like she did speak publicly about some of the things that she was going through and I related so hard to it. So that's, it re- It did hit me. It really, when I saw that, I was, you know, as a black woman, I knew who she was. You didn't have to I would see her face and I would know who that was, you know what I mean? Like she's a she in my household, she's a household name because of her accomplishment and because of what she represented in that she had won Miss USA um, as an older person, um, as a black person, as an educated person, you know, all of these accomplishments that she and and then in that year, I think it was Miss Teen USA, Miss USA and Miss America were all black, um, which was fantastic. So it, it was just a huge win for her and for them. And so I remembered her from that. But some of the struggles, she had just turned 30. So she was so young. And she said, so like, gracefully, you know, shared the same things that I have been feeling and that I've been feeling kind of quietly like it. I don't even think it was something I talked to you about. And I very rarely talked to Thomas about it or any of my girlfriends and that you get to this age of 30 and 31 and 32 and you feel like you start to relate, you know, when you were younger and when you're in your early 20s and there's these older people and they're like enjoy it now, enjoy it now. Mm-hmm. I'm in that age where I'm like I wish I could go back.
0: Like dad you know? said, youth is wasted
1: on the young. I I wish I could go back and I and I don't I don't talk about it because I feel like people are going to say I'm being ridiculous, but I've related so hard when she talks about you know, get getting to 30 and feeling like really feeling like things are changing, like even down to my facial structure when I'm like, oh, my gosh, I see a droop here and a wrinkle here. I don't look as like I used to. You know what I mean? Even if even though you have success and you have achievement, somehow that's either not enough or you've somehow managed to accomplish all of these things, but you're still experiencing large amounts of pressure and large, you know, large amounts of criticism. And you know what I mean? All, she discussed all of these things all around the time that she chose to take her life. And I'm like, damn it, damn it. I like it. She said the same things that I've been thinking. And I'm not in a place mentally where I feel like I need to, where I feel like I have to take it there, where I just can't bear, bear it or live with it, but I related so hard. I just really felt for her. I really, It was hard to see and read, and it still is. It still is that she experienced that to that level that she just could, felt like she couldn't do it anymore, you know?
0: Yeah, and this is why I wanted you to talk about it because yesterday, both on the air and on the podca- podcast, all I could say was um, it's obvious that she... Uh, that her friends and loved ones are going to miss her. And, you know, like I always talk about when you take your life, you can't realize the collateral emotional damage uh, that it inflicts mm-hmm. on others. But the person and presence that she had affected tens of thousands of people who mm-hmm. looked up to her that she didn't know at all. and mm-hmm. But she probably, from what I gather, um, there's two kinds of people that want to kill themselves. Um, one, the kind that I, that I guess is... Maybe most often romanticized or put in movies and whatnot. These people that think they're they're a burden on their loved ones, and mm-hmm. they just they don't want to be that anymore. Um, I'm the other kind. That sounds like this person was. I could be wrong. Mm-hmm. Where you you're just exasperated, waking up every day feeling hopeless, and the only yeah. way to escape these demons, these this hopelessness, this depression, is to take your life. Um, and I, I've all, I know that there's a Years ago, we used to get buried into the nuance and semantics of suicide is selfish. And I used to, to battle with that a little bit because um, it's a, it could be a selfish act with, without selfish intent. Mm-hmm. That person selfishly just wants to end their pain and they unknowingly cause it on others. But again, the brain isn't thinking right. And if it was, uh, that person would never take their life. And it's just an awful situation. And then whoever had to see that, it, it reminded me of whether it was accurate or not, the person jumping out of the building on
1: 9-11. Yeah, it Yeah, It it's just, you know, you're exactly right. And like we do, this is when it gets hard and we don't even, I don't even know this person, but it's like, it literally like makes you cry because you're just, you don't know her at all, but you just want to, when we do the work that we do, I, like if I could just wrap my arms around every person and say, it doesn't have to be this way, you know, it will get better will it get better permanently? Maybe not. But each time you get the tools, you know what I mean? And it doesn't have to be this way. And in her case, the the added of I understand exactly what you're saying. I'm turning 32 in like less than two months. And it's like, I get it. I don't look the same. You know, life isn't the same. It's not what we thought it would be. We want to go back. But we don't. You know what i mean we have to keep going and there's a community of people who understand and who relate um like and then also the means in which she chose to end her life is 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 a contrast to how a lot of women choose to take their lives like you know her jumping out of a building is just like you said it's alarming and jarring and dangerous and and that split second moment you know what we learned from kevin hines where he's like the minute i jumped i regretted my decision Um, like, I just, I'm so empathetic to how she felt and I'm at a loss for words and it's those rare moments where, you know, this is our life. Like I make suicide prevention and mental health, my, like my life's work and community health and access to these kinds of things, to, to life-saving services, my life's work. And then something like this happens and I don't even know her, you know, Regina King's son. I didn't, I don't know her, I don't know him. And it's just like, oh my God. And then there are people of color and it's just like, you take it personal every time, you know?
0: Well, maybe if there's any kind of silver lining um, that it's this being Mm -hmm. a a woman of color, this Mm -hmm. can maybe now spur some action in communities of color. I don't want you jumping out of a window (laughs) <laughs> so no 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 I I mean I'm not yeah. saying this jokingly at all because yeah we, we know and we've said this before I say this places I repeat my 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 friend John quote black people don't talk about mental health well a woman, no, we just jumped, a woman just jumped out of a building and sorry to be so grim but probably a splat was splattered all over what whatever balcony balcony she she landed on this wasn't like pills or wrist splitting wrist cutting or anything like that but- a, a gun. Someone's body dioxide. was somebody's body was splattered all over uh, a surface. Um, if that can't shake someone into action, um, I don't know what will. So, if it saves one life, that's all we need. That that one person like you, who, who of color, who respected this person could say, I don't want to be like that. I don't want my relatives and friends. I don't want Eric to have to clean me off the pavement. I'm going to go get help. And I'm going to, I don't care about the stigma. I don't care about what my so-called friends say. Cause I, like, I always ask people and you're going to say, I, I just want to feel better. And as I say, you can.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It, that's exactly right. I mean, again, Regina King's son, I think it was just last week. Um, I had scheduled to literally, I got, contacted to schedule two suicide prevention classes. I have now three suicide prevention classes to a majority black audience that I will be teaching just from these two things. Like, so it's like there's tragedy and then the work starts immediately. And I, and I want to keep doing that. And I want to keep the motivation and keep the conversation going. But just the fact that it's coming, you know, from a tragedy and, and there's something unique, there isn't anything unique about it. I'm sorry. There's nothing unique about it, but there's still something so personal about it. You know, like yep. every 11 minutes, somebody is taking their life, but there's just something so personal about it that everybody is just feeling it a little bit and which I'm happy about, but I'm sad about at the same time. And that means that there's work to be done from, for us, you know, there's yep. work to be done.
0: All right. We're going to, uh, we're going to end it there. I have a couple of the topics that are sitting, uh, sitting in my head that we can do later on this week or
1: <laughs> yeah as i'm like cotton-mouthed from crying
0: <laughs> like, all right that's it for alex and i but i'm doing a new community affairs show that will air on all of our Cumulus stations sunday mornings um the first guest is a guest then that'll be sunday mornings on the air but you get it now here on the podcast he visited the old morning reboot with floyd and i a couple of years ago he is back after i caught uh, wind of his story in the Blade last week, and um, I'll read the first paragraph when I'm talking to Robert about why I wanted to speak with him. Robert Vannevelt, now. Hello. Hello. Hi there. Hi.
2: I couldn't hear you, but my dog
0: apparently could. That's wild. Can I talk to him? Her. Her. What's his? What's her name? If you got her goddamn sex right. <laughs> <laughs> what's What's her name? Sounds like a big dog. Sophie. Yeah. Sophie. So how how much does Sophie weigh 100 pounds. that's a big Sophie. um I, yeah she's 15 years old well she doesn't sound like it she sounds like she has got plenty of energy
2: well we, i i i make their food like i um i like i hand make their food
0: heck what do you how do you make it
2: um rice right. chicken sweet potatoes cottage cheese carrots.
0: it's good eating you know. it's good eating um Better than myself. I, I mean, I know what it. I I love dogs too, and there are times I treat them better than I should. Uh, I'm, I'm taking care of myself, so I know what it's like. I'm glad Sophie's doing. I know well. we
2: only gave the people around us the consideration we give others,
0: huh? Uh, you mean the only? Wait, you mean the consideration we give to our dogs? Because some a lot of those people don't deserve it. Yeah, no.
2: uh, I don't know
0: about you. <laughs> <laughs> um. <laughs> So uh, let's get going. Um, okay. I'm up and recording, and I'll do some intros, and this will run on our, uh, our cluster programming over the weekend. Okay. So um, I, I see that you have been uh, pretty well-traveled. You were born in Flint. How did how you leave there and start moving all around?
2: Um, how did I leave there? Yep. Um, I got a store manager. Um, uh, I, I worked at a retail store and they offered me a promotion. From there, I went from Ann Arbor. And then the day I was gonna quit, and move to Fort Lauderdale, I walked in, and I was like, that's it, I had it. And I was ready, I was like, I need to talk to you. And she goes, Rock, do you wanna take a job in um, Miami as a store manager? So that got me out of Michigan.
0: Uh, Yeah, the the drastic weather change. It sounds like you like it as much as I do. When did the art bug, and and to preface all of this, the thing that made me want to reach out to you was from the story in the blade a couple weeks ago, just the first paragraph, Robert Vanneveld, uh was fed up with constantly hearing racist language in the bar. He tended, so he decided to fight back in an artistic way. He painted more than 60 large size portraits of icons from black America, which we'll get to shortly. But when did you yeah. first discover that art bug?
2: Um, well, when I wasn't a football player <laughs> or <laughs> when I always have been like that.
0: Um, Drawing, painting, how did you get going with it when you were were younger?
2: Well, you know, it's so funny. When we moved out of our house when I was a kid from Flint, um, under my sister's bed, I I drew all these houses, and um, they were black. And I said, I'll paint your house black. So I always communicated through art. And that was like the meanest thing that I could possibly think of, is living in an all-black house. Like the color.
0: Right, right, right. No, I get it, I get it. It's it's not color. Like it was a
2: curse. Yeah, so I always... (laughs) I always kind of uh, gravitated to a communicating I, um, uh, sim- symbolism. And again, but um, like, let's say I wanted a parrot. My mm-hmm. mom would be like, you can't have a parrot. If you want one so bad, make one. So I was the dumb kid that had this huge cardboard parrot duct taped to his shoulder. you know? Like, that's just how I worked.
0: I, I, and your mom stimulated creativity that way. And, and it worked out. And obviously yeah. you're vastly creative as I was um as I googled you and obviously looked at your Instagram stuff as well um, I mm-hmm. would say that if anybody has seen any art in our area over the last how many ever years they have probably seen some of your stuff I know we um, originally connected several years ago um, You, what, mm-hmm. what, what was your title when you um, had your pieces in the way branch of the library what was my title Yeah, did, did you not have a title to go with that from the library artist, <laughs> uh, artist in residence that's it
2: Oh yeah, that's right. Um, uh, I worked yeah at the library. I was their artist in residence. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: How did that relationship initially come about?
2: Um, well, by me asking to show my artwork there and, um, Natalie Dealman. um, I, I don't, I'm not sure of her title there currently, but then, uh, what she does or pre COVID and I bet after COVID as well, um, she gets like a musician, and they do like a, a month long, two month long art residency where people can come in and ask questions. You do a project, a demonstration. It's just a great way to get the community involved um, w- with um, community members that are doing creative things.
0: You're certainly one of them. You were also, you had something Thanks. going on at, at Mommy Valley Country Day as well, right? The Wolf Gallery?
2: Yep. I um, started, I think it was their 40th anniversary. 30th, 40th a a day, uh, a significant anniversary, yeah. I opened that up with um, uh, 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 Black History Month show. Um,
0: And then one more I saw that grabbed my attention, something going on with the University of Finley as well, right?
2: Yeah.
0: um, Yeah.
2: Actually, do you know how I got that job? Um, That installation was via your um, program.
0: Really? What happened?
2: Yeah. He had heard me on your radio program, and that's how that works. Awesome. Um, Thank you very much, because that was my first university show, and that's really hard as an artist to break through that. Because I don't have a college degree,
0: you know. Neither, neither do I. <laughs> I, like to say yeah. my, I like to say that my currency, my currency is, is people. Um, I wish I would have known that. I never. I would have made sure to have kept up with you all these years, rather than when I reached out to you last week, going, "How do I know you?" But um, it's glad I'm. Re- I didn't even know either.
2: Oh. I didn't know either because I have done so many. Uh, well, <laughs> I don't mean to sound that way, but I've just you know. Um, been trying to get this anywhere i can possibly get it and i'd rather have it out being viewed than being stored so um i just i make connections keep going keep going and it's really hard to nurture all those you know
0: um let me so what how old were you when you left michigan you were you in your teens late or late teens early 20s yeah i was
2: in my teens Mm -hmm, i was 18 So,
0: so i'm gonna guess when you were in school in flint you were in you were in schools that were pretty integrated, right? You had kids of all colors that you grew up with. Um, well, I, I went to school, um, yes,
2: I went to a Catholic school, St. Pius, that's no longer there, and then I went to St. Paul's, and that was like in second grade, and that was like the first time um, uh, where I would see, um, because Flint was so segregated, you guys have to remember there was a black mall, black yeah. movie theater, Um and so I remember trying to talk to the kids that went to public school by my private school and, um, they would blow the whistle and be like, get away from the fence, you know? So like, um, I just, it was just so weird, you know, like, uh, in our uh, St. Pius, the most person of color was the Mendoza's, and mm-hmm. I believe they were Filipino. Um, but yes, um, second grade, uh, on, um, My life was pretty integrated, but then I went to a high school called Grand Blank. I know it. um, I mean, that stands for big white. (laughs) (laughs) And um, it was also very segregated. There was a poor people's part of town. There was a rich people's part of town. And then there was a black part of town.
0: The, uh, The comparison that I wanted to make was with myself. And one of the things, especially as I've gotten older and the world has gotten pretty testy over the last four years, but even before that as I became more of an adult I was very grateful, so I grew up in the city of Philadelphia and went to Philadelphia Public mm-hmm. Schools and my high school specifically was extremely integrated, it was probably in the 60% of, of, of white kids, but everything else was mm-hmm. people of different colors, so I never understood like how much hatred and racism there was out there for people of other colors until I got into other parts of the world but I was very happy that somebody that grew up in like a neighborhood like you, you discussed, like from a poor part of town in Philadelphia, like at Kevin Hart. Kevin Hart went to my high school, came from a very bad neighborhood, um, woke up mm-hmm. at 5 o'clock in the morning.
2: It's, it's not a bad neighborhood. It, 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 uh, like an underutilized, it's underutilized.
0: You know what? I'll say this. Some You're right, but some of these neighborhoods where friends and classmates I went to. They were bad neighborhoods. There was a lot of, a lot of crime. And obviously, to yeah. your point, it created a lot of that stuff. But as I got older, yeah. it, it made me... More understanding of and, and accepting of people who looked like me. Um, and I thought you coming from Flint might be able to relate with that a little bit. Cause when there's an issue that divides us, um, like all the George Floyd stuff last year, I'll defend yeah. my friends and people I care about. I don't care what they look like as long as they're good people. So that's why, like I said, when I read that first paragraph about the blade about your stuff, I greatly appreciated that you said, I'm going to, I'm going to push back on this. And I really appreciate well, that. Never,
2: I never tolerated racism, um, ever. Um, and and i just learned from a young age to um to stop it in its tracks wherever you can because it's it's literally like if you see the weed pull it yeah you're not going to make a difference and it's not going to change unless you literally don't tolerate it if you witness it
0: do you think a, a lot of that was woven into your dna because of where and how you grew up um
2: no my I have a side of my family that is very um,
0: not accepting. Got it. Um, but you saw that and said that's not something that I want to be like. So I'm going to be this type of person.
2: Right. I grew up um, in a foster home. Um, my, I, I wasn't a foster child, but I saw. In um, listen, like I don't. I, I just. I don't need to have like the threat of like hell. I just <laughs> follow my heart you know, like I just, I just know what in my heart doesn't feel right. And, um, I just, there's a certain practices or just ways where I was like, God, that's weird. You know?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, looking at your Instagram, um, which is probably pretty representative of, I guess your, your art portfolio at large. It's well, uh,
2: which one? Cause I have four oh, Instagram. Oh,
0: what, what are the four?
2: Um, bingo was his name underscore. O. okay. And, um, I paint people's dogs okay. and cats or pets Okay. because um, I just recently lost my dog of 20 years. My dog is 16 years and uh, it really messed with me. Like, sure. Uh, so I, I can't even paint my own dog, but it helps me to connect other people to that. And it's easier to see a painting of your dog than it is to see a photograph and it allows like healing to happen. And um, it, it is probably the one that's, and honestly, out of all my artwork, that is some of my most heartfelt, because even if it's a commission for someone else, I feel it on such a level because I'm sure. also in mourning, you know? Um, so it's not- And then the other one, sorry, uh, no, then- the other one is pie in your eye. Okay. And that I, um, I teach pie classes. I like to make pie. Okay. Um, and um, then um, I have my own personal one that I won't tell because- <laughs> it's none of anybody's business, and then I have Robert David Vanderbilt, which is um, uh, my artwork. Okay, my Th-
0: that's the one that I was I was referencing. Two questions. Well, yeah. one question before I get to that one. I don't have a painting. I don't have one of your paintings of my dogs in my upstairs hallway, do I? Because on the show, one of my friends, Ashley, commissioned somebody to paint my dogs. Was that you? Maybe. Okay remember painting a
2: You'll combat. have to you'll have to uh, send me a picture. Uh it is funny cuz like I will go walking and I'm like, oh my god, I painted that. I painted <laughs> that dog. <laughs>
0: It was you know? it was a wonderful gesture, and it took me some getting used to because I obviously have like scores, hundreds of pictures of my dog, but I never considered a painting. But um, your stuff is great, so I'm looking at the Robert David Vannevelt Instagram right now. So yeah. your portfolio is far more than just butterflies and the black community. But how did you get so interested and supportive of the black community? Um, I'm pretty sure you're like me, a big Frederick Douglass fan. So how? Oh my God! I just he yeah
2: yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Um, Okay. So this just dawned on me the other day. Um, But okay. So you see, I love cooking. I love to sing. I love art. I love um, dancing. I love all these cultural aspects. Mm -hmm. You know, all these cultural keeper kind of uh, 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 things. And looking back, I love the etymology of things. So I like to see where stuff comes from. So uh, like, well, I I like macaroni and cheese, so I find out where it comes from. Uh, And I like art, and I find out where it comes from. And like, um, it brings you to like Harlem Renaissance, and even before that, all these other things. Um, Basically, every rock and roll, it all started and I would say, like, well, what it would bring me to Elvis. But who did Elvis learn from? Sister Rosetta Tharp. Uh, uh, Tharp. Um, he, everything in America has been started by the black community, because I really do believe necessity is a mother invention. And um, uh, these people, uh, the black community, were um, smart um, survivors, because if they didn't die be, being trapped, in Africa, they didn't die through the slave ships, they didn't die through the slave trade, they didn't die through slavery in itself, which we need a different name for that than slavery, it should just be called, it should be called genocide, it really should, and um, and then if they didn't die through reconstruction or the civil rights movements or the lynchings um, or through um, police overreach they are here and and surviving and creating things out of necessity and, um, everything that is cultural in America outside of white supremacy, the black community has curated.
0: Was there, what was the first point in your life where you had that, that vision to have just that mindset?
2: I, I I know no different.
0: Okay. Um, so I know you just mentioned you, you, you're you a, a fan of Frederick Douglass. There's a Toledo story. Um, are you familiar with Ted Long? No. So Ted's a local historian, and I'll, I think I can tell this as accurately, and I'll do it as quickly as possible. So uh-huh. sometime 150 years or so ago, probably a little bit more than that now, Frederick Douglass, I believe, was speaking here in Toledo, doing what Frederick Douglass does. Um, yeah. I believe some Lincoln advisors were here and – uh, this was before. This is while Douglas, I believe, was still kind of a, a nuisance to Lincoln, and Lincoln hadn't come around yet on what many people revere him for. Yeah, three
2: um, Articles of Confederation,
0: and. Then, uh, these advisors said, Hey, uh, Mr. Lincoln or whatever it was, you need to to listen to this fellow. Uh, and there was an invitation to the white house and I believe that's when they finally, or Lincoln began to open his ears and his eyes to Douglas and his cause. And Ted tells the story. He's a Toledo story knows it much better than me, but it's not far to say that the, the Lincoln Douglas friendship and the positive part of their relationship began right here in Toledo. So a very cool story.
2: Oh my God. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. And two, um, um, that's why I find it so crazy that there's such a racist undercurrent and, um, this weird, um, uh, unite the right white nationalism kind of bullshit. Uh, Can I say that? Uh, I'll Uh,
0: I'll, I'll edit for the on air. It stays for the podcast. Thank you. (laughs) You're welcome. I will watch
2: myself, um, um, here in this area when it is so steeped in, um, native American, um, culture and, um, history and, um, uh, 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 black, uh, you know,
0: well, uh, like, excellent. Like, like something that was like the lowest come, uh, the lowest hanging fruit over the last handful of years. It's like we have always embraced that America was a melting pot, Statue of Liberty, Ellis Island, blah blah blah. And then all of a sudden, not overlooking the fact that we're all foreigners here, um, and, yeah. and we kind of turn on people who don't look like. Um, us or what we've become um let let me uh move on back to your art for a moment we talked about the the way public library and and some of the other places you've been where else what do you you have going on right now and in the near future so people can check out some of your work
2: okay um my registry installation is coming down here soon so if you haven't been to registry go um good food Uh, chef erica is uh, Erica Rapp is pretty amazing back there, along with her staff, Yep. but um, I've been able to show there for a couple years, and so this that was my um, last installation there for a minute. Um, I'm up at the Toledo-Lucas County Main Library at their art gallery down there, and I'm going to be doing a Black History Month show, and then we're going to be swapping it out in March and doing... Um, Other women of history, and uh, for Women's Histories Month, I have an Owens show right now uh, about social change, and that includes um, like uh, 40 so pieces um, of my artwork there. And that is gonna they they also have like an outbound Mm -hmm. place, I believe, in Finley that it will be through Owens. And then um, uh, I have three pieces that are gonna be at Ottawa Hills where I'll be doing some speaking. uh, and I, I'm also doing a live painting at Owens for their opening next Friday. And then um, Whitmere High School, um, that lady who just went viral, Katie, KP Katie, in Toledo, Katie is her. Uh, she's going to be uh, I, I'm, I'm talks with her to having the collection of Black History Month be there um, at Whitmere.
0: Awesome. Yeah. And that's one of my favorite high schools in the area because uh, it reminds me like my high school. Very, very integrated people from all over all diverse areas in the city, socioeconomic and beyond. Um, Thank you for for being aggressive in support for people that don't look like us or act like us with your art. It's fantastic stuff as evidenced by um, your resume, your portfolio, all these great relationships you have. Last question, if I could tell me about the RuPaul stuff.
2: Oh, <laughs> I, um, there was a contest, um, uh, for, uh, uh, to be on RuPaul's Drag Race, um, uh, to have your art featured on that. And it was, I just remember, I was like, oh, just give it a shot. And then, so you'd have to advocate for yourself and how many votes you got and, um, and, uh, uh uh, so I, anywhere I went, I was like, hey, can you vote for me on a daily basis? That's much how I got like, the, um, the Toledo City Papers uh, does like, the best of. That, mm-hmm. I finally got one of those, and that was like a goal. Um, but you have to really advocate yourself, and it was based on like emails and stuff. But it was crazy to sign a contract with World of Wonder. You sign away your rights for this picture, and um, it was a picture of RuPaul I did. And it was just a stencil, and it, uh, inside of her hair it says, you better sissy that walk. And, um, they framed it and it, that was in the background of, um, what's the show that comes on after RuPaul's Drag Race where they talk in the back? I, I, am going to get my, um, gay card revoked for not knowing this. You're,
0: um, you're asking the wrong person, the Andy Cohen, watch what happens live. I don't know. No,
2: it's RuPaul's show. Um, uh, uh, anyways, um, uh, It's just what, it's like what happens in the background, but um, the year Bianca Del Rio won, um, it's in the back on like the last two episodes. And uh, it's in the, uh, and it's funny because the, um, if you put the uh, 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 um, uh, caption on, Mm -hmm. it will, it says like the things that I was feeling at the time, like, wow, I can't believe I'm here. And I was like, me either, (laughs) you Mm -hmm. know, so. Awesome. Uh, And then, yeah, the. that's when I knew, like, if I just could advocate for myself, that the, the, where I can go anywhere. And so, like, literally, um, calling, like, the library and getting my shows there, um, I have had a few people reach out, but most of the time, it's me advocating for myself. And yeah. the funniest thing, what gets my foot in the door are the pies that I make. It's <laughs> not the collection of artwork I have. It's they think that I'm, they, they, they legitimize me when they can see I can fold dough.
0: It's the food. I mean, you know where we live. I mean, it's chicken chunks. Yeah. It's Taco Tuesday. Uh, it, it, it's the food. So if it works and, <laughs> and it gets it done, and then people can see how incredible the portfolio and the artwork is, good, 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 good. So yeah. Um, thanks for the time. Uh, I am sorry um, that I, I have. I
2: appreciate. It. Thank you for the time. Yeah,
0: I'm sorry that we had kind of we got kind of gone dark, um, for a couple of years. But it's good to catch up with you. I'm so glad the the blade did that story. Who was that writer? Um, Jason Weber, I've heard uh, really good the,
2: things about him yeah, Jason Weber, am I saying that right?
0: Uh, yes, yes, and I've, a friend of mine Who works at the Blade has said that Jason has some great stories And I'm glad that he's included uh, well, Your story Yeah, he in just that. did the
2: Alice Cooper thing He's yeah. writing the book on the um, I, believe, I don't know if he's a juggernaut or not But I feel like he's doing like an IPC Juggalo kind of deal
0: Um, And I'm look, I have this the article pulled up And there's Sophie So give Sophie my love Oh, I
2: will. I will. She's a good girl. She's my bestest friend.
0: Robert, thanks again. Good to catch up after all these years. Uh, This will be on the podcast, and thanks for doing the show here. Thank you so much,
2: and I hope to talk to you soon and have another riveting, cool show for you to cover.
0: (laughs) I'm looking forward to it, Robert. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Take care.